Good morning, church. Happy Memorial Weekend, everyone. You know, we're at the end of a school year. I'm about a month away from being here for a year, and I'm just praising the Lord (laughs) that we made it. (laughs) Give God the praise for that. So, as I announced last week, we're having the elders help bring the word to us. Uh, through the summer here. So Brad Scheidemann's one of our six elders. And I, I think it's our responsibility as a congregation to know who your shepherds are, right? Who's, who's overseeing your tithes? Who's shepherding the church you're a part of? And so after service, Brad and Mindy will be by the prayer room. And if you haven't met them yet, go meet them. Go say hi to them. And if it moves from that to a prayer request, so be it. But um, we've got a great group of elders, and I want our church to know them. So with that, Brad, did you bring the scripture today? It's my privilege. Love to read the Bible and love to share with you this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11, the first 13 verses. titled, Jesus Teaches His Disciples About Prayer. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Thank you, Brad. Well, let's pray as a church here. Lord, I pray that the word we just heard and the word we'll hear from you today would root deep into our hearts, Lord, that it would bring your kingdom in our lives and through our lives to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, raise your hand if you've seen this picture before. Yeah. I was, there's one place in town where there's probably about a dozen of these up on the wall. And I love it, right? I found out that this picture was actually taken in Minnesota. I didn't know that. That's my stomping grounds in a town smaller than Hampton about 100 years ago in the 20s. And this man... It, Lived in a sod house, from what I read. Um, and though he 
looks like he's got it all together. From what I've learned about his life, he doesn't. He had drunk most of his life away when he posed for this picture, pouring out his heart to the Lord in prayer. And yet, I think we can still admire that man, right? Because he knows he needs to pray. And the people that don't know they need to pray tend not to. (laughs) They tend to stand high and tall instead of on their knees. And yet, our knees is solid ground for the Lord to bring his kingdom. Because the Lord is bringing his kingdom, he blesses those who are humble and poor in spirit, as the Beatitudes share. So, in this next slide, we'll show you that symbol here of the Kingdom Come series we've been doing. That as he prays, something is happening. And I want us to reflect on what happens if we don't pray. You know, like, we'll look at the Lord's Prayer today, certain things like, Lord, give us today our daily bread. It's one of those. What happens if we don't pray? And we just take those things for granted. What is that saying? What kind of result is that bringing? If we're not praying, Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done, then what else is happening? In our lives. What else is happening around us if we don't pray? I'm going to keep coming back to that today. Because it's worth some consideration. All too easily, we feel self-sufficient. All too easily, we don't pray. And yet, in that picture, I see a man, not just a gentle grandfather, but I see Someone who is fierce and strong and in his prime and the enemy is terrified because the enemy is losing ground. So chapters 11 and 12 are today. And I hope you did your homework. It's really encouraging and exciting when you can look at this ahead of time and start wondering, I wonder how Rob's going to approach that. (laughs) And uh, especially if you tell me ahead of time, I wonder how you're going to approach that. (laughs) But I think that's healthy to be wondering and asking questions and digging into this yourselves. We're going to be looking at these first two sections of Luke there, about teaching about prayer and also a teaching about Jesus and the Prince of Demons, it's titled. So Brad read the first. We're going to look at the second a little later and see how they actually tie together through this theme of prayer. But throughout the gospel, there's been a lot of prayer so far. Even when Zechariah now was, was told the good news that the king was coming, people were standing outside the temple praying, waiting, expecting God to move. And um, last, a couple chapters ago, in chapter 9, Jesus, he almost prayed too good. He was on the mountain, and he, while in prayer, he was transfigured. The kingdom fully realized before the disciples' eyes. He was transfigured in glory along with Moses and Elijah. He almost prayed too good. (laughs) He brought heaven to earth. 
And it happened. The disciples said, wow. This isn't something we're just waiting for. This Jesus is bringing this to earth, to us. Now, how desperately do you want that? I know I, know I do. And it's through prayer. And so in the first verse, as Jesus finished praying, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, said, we see you doing this a lot. And then we see you go from these prayer times doing amazing things. And it clicked. The disciples said, Lord, Teach us to pray. (laughs) Teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And I like that as we think about Jesus not just teaching this, but he starts with his example. And we've been talking about that the last week or two, about our word and deed coming together, the incarnate word of God living it out in flesh, the impact that that has. And I think about people in my life who I've seen early in the morning praying. That leaves an example on me. I think we learn how to pray by watching people who know how to pray. I want you to think in your, in your life, who's an example of someone who really knows how to pray? It's actually a little rarer than you might think. Someone who talks to God like he's really there. Like he's more real than anything around us. Someone that you can tell talks to him daily. I would say surround yourself with people like that. And pray with people like that. When I've prayed with people like that, I can sense a different power in the room. (laughs) can feel the kingdom. Just like as Jesus was praying and the transfiguration happened, I can, I can feel a weight of glory when I pray with people who know how to pray. And that's what starts this in that example. And then they say, Jesus, we want some of that. We want to know how to do that. And so then he begins this section on teaching them how to pray. I know our little girl already, she's not even two years old yet, but when we pray at the dinner table, she puts her head down and looks up. And when we get done, she bursts into a big smile and goes, Amen. (laughs) I just love that, right? I think about, I watched my dad pray. doesn't mean that I started doing that as a kid, but as I get older and I realize my way of doing things doesn't work, I say, why don't I do what Dad did? <laughs> Let me see if that works. And it does. Prayer does work. So then Jesus teaches them to pray these words. I want you to look this over closely because at the end of service, we're going to pray this together as a congregation, as a community, because... He says, this is how you should pray. And the English, except if you're in the South, you say y'all, you can't tell that this is a plural you. He says, 
Alright guys, you want to learn how to pray? Pray this prayer together. Not alone, but together. Come together. Where two or three are gathered in my name, right? And pray, my Spirit will be there with you. And the first line, it says, Father, your name be kept holy. There's almost a paradox here. There's an intimate word used as Father showing that He's close. There's an intimate relationship. And then it says, let your name be reverenced. <laughs> because it is, it is imminent with us, but it is also transcendent. Outside of my problems, outside of your creation, you are God. So it's holding those things in balance as they pray. Boldly coming into your throne and yet falling and trembling at my knees. Happening at the same time. Confidence. And yet, a healthy amount of fear. <laughs> Knowing that God is good, but He is not tame. He is powerful. And then look at this first line. The first thing to ask references the kingdom of God. It says, may your kingdom come. May your kingdom come soon. The New Living Translation says it. Is that the first thing in your mind? No, on Youth Sunday, when it was one of the youth's turn to speak, they just summarized it that way. So, I just want Jesus to come back. <laughs> and I think he got a round of applause because people agreed with that. It's funny how our prayer life also reflects our priorities. I've got a mentor in my life who will ask, what, what main specific thing can I be praying for you? And it forces me to think through Good question. What is it that I really want? What is my main priority right now? As chapter 12 later on shares, there's a famous verse there that says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. That is your priority. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and all these other things that you worry so much about. They'll be given to you. And I think that flows nicely into this next line. All the other things that be given to us, all the things we need to eat and to drink. The next line it says, it says, give us each day our daily bread. Or here, give us each day the food we need. What happens if we don't pray that and we just expect it? Because in America, you can usually get the food you need. What does that say about us? And from whose hand do we see ourselves eating from? From our own? From our government? From our economy? Idolatry can really creep in without a dependence on the Spirit of the Lord. No wonder a lot of people's faith lives ends up getting cornered 
on a Sunday morning and kept there. Right? No wonder the power of God. We don't see the transfiguration of Christians living out the kingdom in the world with power. Fully relying on Him. Fully consecrated to Him. Our dependence needs to be there in everything. Our prayer life is not a last act of defense at the end of the day when nothing else seemed to work. Our prayer life is the first strike in the morning, right? It says, God, this day is yours and I want to see the kingdom. I want to see it as clearly as Jesus saw it as he stood in glory on the mountain. I want to see it. I'm going to pray it. I'm tired of these other kingdoms. That's what happens when we don't pray. You don't flip on the light, you're going to walk in darkness. Scripture goes on here and says, to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It pivots from our physical needs, which God cares about, our physical needs, which do relate to the kingdom of God, and then pivots to our spiritual needs and right relationships with God and you see with others. You see a great prayer that God cares about, a great prayer that the Spirit wants to answer, because it's something that it's the Spirit's job to do is to knit His people together in relationship. That's what the Spirit is doing, is building the church, putting this together as a holy temple to the Lord, a holy house. That's a great thing to pray when you see discord amongst relationship. To say, God, let Your kingdom come not just in my finances or my physical health or my daily food, not just my spiritual life, how we're doing. Let your kingdom come in the fruit of the Spirit with you and me, but with others, with my child, with my spouse, with my relative, with my co-worker, with my neighbor, with my enemy. Lord, let your kingdom come. And bring right relationship. I tell you, the world promises to take care of our needs physically. But man, it is clear as day that our world cannot provide right relationship. It is so fleeting out there. But the kingdom of God promises that. The kingdom of God will bring it. When we pray. And lastly it says, and don't let us yield to temptation. The version in Matthew here says, but deliver us from the evil one. And I think this kind of flows into the next section where it talks about the prince of demons. Is that there is an evil out there. Why else would we be praying to be delivered from it? And what happens when we don't pray that? 
No wonder we feel the sting of sin and death so sharply from the enemy when we don't pray that. What happens if we don't pray the kingdom come? As Matthew continues that part, he says, May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, this whole series is is generating from this section of Scripture and that line that's highlighted. Kingdom come. And it starts with prayer. For some reason, God wants to hear our voices. And He wants to go where He's invited. He doesn't go where we say, we don't want You, Lord. Eventually He will, but then it's in judgment. (laughs) Then He has to use the hammer (laughs) to establish His kingdom in the final days. But He wants those who will open up their hearts to Him Say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Come to me as the lamb, not the lion. Blessed are those who receive God as the lamb through Jesus before judgment day, who experience that kingdom of knowing Jesus both now and forever. For that is eternal life, to know Him. Amen. Go to verse 5 here. So there's more to be said. Jesus the teach, he begins to teach them even more about prayer. And so he gives them a story. The setting of the story says, Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And so this story goes on to share going to your friend's house at midnight, which the homes back then usually was one bedroom, so all the kids are asleep, okay? And you start pounding on the door, and your friend says, Hush, my kids are sleeping, okay? I can relate to that. Don't wake them up. (laughs) So if you do, you got to put them back to bed, you know? But he keeps knocking and keeps knocking and finally the friend gives him the bread. Not because he's feeling so great about the situation, but to get him to go away. (laughs) And the moral of the story at the end here, he closes, he says, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Another version says, because of your boldness. He kind of plays this out in the next scripture as well. That even someone who's not good will do these things because of your perseverance. Let alone a heavenly Father who cares about you so greatly. And so this next section, um, yeah, and so he says, so I tell you, he keeps telling us the moral of this whole teaching. It usually comes at the end of a parable or end of a section. Jesus says, this is what I mean. This is why I said everything I said. He says, so, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. You will receive what you ask for. You will find what you're seeking. The door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Does that mean we just ask for what we want? Lord, I want that Mercedes Benz. 
and I'm going to keep at it, right? What are we to be praying for? God just, he just taught us what to pray for, right? For his kingdom come and our daily physical needs and our spiritual needs and right relationship with one another to be delivered from temptation and from evil. That is praying according to God's will, right? That is what we're to be persistent in pursuing. Seeking first the will and kingdom of God in our prayers. He delights to answer that. There's times people will tell me what, what's on their heart or what they've prayed. And sometimes it's like, man, do you ever stop to consider God would love to answer that prayer? A prayer like, Lord, I want to see you more clearly. Man, God would love to answer that prayer. He doesn't care about your new car. It's probably not even good for you anyways. So let's go to this next verse. Fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So sometimes we ask for a car, just like a kid asking for a scorpion. (laughs) Heavenly Father, that's not even good for you, (laughs) you know? Let me give you something good for you. Ask for the fish. Ask for the egg. As First Peter says, like a newborn baby, crave pure spiritual milk. Ask for what's good for you. And then like a newborn baby, be relentless for it. I have to admit, there was some times early on in Hosanna's life when she was crying at wee hours in the morning, And I admit, I gave it a couple extra minutes hoping she'd fall asleep. (laughs) You know? Like, like, all right, I've already been up two or three times this morning, you know. Maybe she'll just fall back to sleep. Guess what? It doesn't work. (laughs) God created her that way. For her to win that battle. Because (laughs) a life depends on it. She's gonna keep crying. She's going to keep seeking. She's going to keep asking. She's going to keep knocking. Children are relentless. You've been at a store and a kid goes, they make up their mind they want something. And you tell them, I can't explain to you right now, but no, honey. And then they say, oh, thanks, Mom, for the explanation. I appreciate that. No. No. It's like you didn't even say anything to them. It's like you didn't even hear them. Because guess what? You hear the exact same phrase. But mom, I want that. But mom, I want that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Persistence. Focus. Dependence. Thank God. Like a newborn baby, I crave you. I crave your kingdom. Every morning to start the day, saying, I want more of it. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, in my life, in those around me, in my wayward child's life, in my spouse's life, 
my enemy's life, in my country's life, in the life of the politician, I cannot stand. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God loves answering that prayer. Once a week, my wife and I, on our day off, we get out our prayer journal and we list off our prayers. We've got a column of prayers for her, column of prayers for me, column of prayers for others, and then we have a column of praises. And I've had fun lately because as we began to do this more diligently about a year ago, we had pretty long lists on the left side of that column. Right? You know where I'm headed with this. Lately, it's like, man, there's a lot on the right side of the column here. <laughs> a lot of praises. That's the benefit of journaling because you actually see what God's doing instead of just forgetting about it and taking it for granted. And I'm like, you know what? Why am I surprised that things would move from the left side of the column <laughs> over to the right side of the column? Why does that surprise me? Right? Amen. In chapter 12, verse 31 and 32, 31 it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. All these things will be added unto you. And verse 32 says, That it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that great? It brings God great happiness to give you the kingdom. He already paid for it. It cost Jesus everything. The King Himself suffering at the hands of His creation for each one of us. He already paid for it. And it gives Him great happiness when you get to receive it. When you open the door of your heart when he can bring it to you. He loves you. And he is glorified when you are satisfied in him. And that's the best witness out there. When people see that you are satisfied in him. So that's what it means to be spirit-led. It says at the end there, he'll give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. Being spirit-led is starting that day in prayer, saying, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. Verse 14. Or the next slide, please. So, this is the last scripture we're going to look at. And it summarizes this next section of the enemy. And it, people start accusing Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Satan. And Jesus says, look, if I cast... Satan out by the power of Satan, that's a kingdom divided against itself. That kingdom won't stand, right? He says, you have people that claim to do this. So by what power are they doing it? And then he gives a great phrase here. He says, but, oh, I bet this phrase haunted these people. He said, but, if I am doing this by the power of God, then know this, that the kingdom of God 
has arrived among you. And if you're going to pray it, you'll receive it. And if you're not, you're going to miss it. And this section of Scripture goes on to talk about the hypocrisy of these Pharisees who are missing it. And the Scripture says that they are missing out on the kingdom of God and preventing others from doing so as well with their made-up rules. They're not putting the kingdom above all else. They're putting their own agendas, letting it sneak in there. And they're blind as a bat. They have no idea that they're doing it. And they're missing it. And if you in your life right now are missing it, if this idea of being satisfied in the kingdom of God right now seems like a foreign thing to you, then ask God to open the eyes of your heart. I challenge you, do a seven-day challenge. Put it on your alarm in the morning that says, label it pray, right? But just pray the Lord's Prayer each morning for seven days. And see what might happen from the left side of your column to the right side of your column. As you say, God, I crave your kingdom. And persist in that. Sometimes I feel like he makes us wait a little bit to let us know that, yes, this is from the hand of God. Because then you can't deny it, right? When you look in your journal and you're like, I was stuck. I was blind, but now I'm free and now I see. The end of this verse mentions a, if a strong man's fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe, who he's referring to is Satan. He says Satan has a kingdom and he guards his palace. But when someone attacks him and overpowers him and strips him of his weapons and all of his authority, he can then carry off all of his belongings and possessions. And I love that. Jesus is indicating here that he has the authority. He has bound Satan. And he and the church can now plunder the gates of hell from what was once the kingdom of darkness and bring it into the kingdom of light. And as I look at your faces this morning, I see people transferred in in the kingdom of light. Some of us are seeing it bright as day. Others are seeing just that glimpse, like a small white dot through the end of a tunnel, but you know it's there. You have the hope to keep pressing after it and crying out, God, bring me your kingdom in my life. And so let's pray the kingdom in. Prayer is not just blessing the food in the morning, okay? But it's saying, God, let your kingdom come. And so, let's go to the words here. I brought the King James Version now. So some of you can sigh some relief. if That's the way you memorized it. But as a church, let's pray this together. Will you pray this with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We send out that prayer page each week. Pray that God's kingdom be done in those lives. And if you want something prayed for during service, make a special request. We'll do that. We'll have 200 people pray for you. Because prayer brings the kingdom. Keep on praying. Amen. Amen.